Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me on the Word Podcast. Well, we're going to go back to the book of John. You know, in the last few episodes, really about three weeks worth of episodes, I went back and checked. We've been looking at how to pray on behalf of a nation, you know, examining uh, Daniel chapter 9, Ezra chapter 9, Nehemiah chapter 9. And, you know, we may go back and get some more details in here and there from some of those, particularly Daniel chapter 9, because it deals with a lot of things that we're dealing with today and, and, and days yet to come. But we need to go back to John chapter 16, where we were and resume our look through the gospel right there. And so let's begin with verse 1. Remember, Jesus is speaking here. And so if you're reading from a red-letter edition of the Bible, this is all in red. Most of chapter 13, all of chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17 are red-letter. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And it's literally the last moments that he is with them in his corporeal body here on earth. It's the last evening when he had the last supper. It's the last evening when all the stuff you see in the balance of all the Gospels, when he's arrested, uh, when he's found guilty, when he's killed, etc. All that happens in a very compressed time frame. And so uh, the 16th chapter of John verse 1 says this, I, as Jesus speaking, have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Now, we've already looked at the first three verses, but like I said, it's been three three weeks, so we're going to go through them again. But notice what he said. I'm saying these things to you to keep you from falling away, to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from being offended. That's uh, other translations, uh, English translations state it that way. And he's saying, I'm saying these things to you. And that little phrase he uses at least three times in this chapter, uh, uses the first verse, uses it in the last verse where he says, I'm saying these things to you uh, to where you won't, when you undergo tribulation. Verse three right here, he says it, I'm saying these things to you. So he's telling them, okay, listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying these things to you and I'm saying them to you for a particular reason. The primary one to start with is to where you won't stumble, to where you won't fall away. And then he tells them what's going to happen. Verse two, <clears throat> they will put you out of the synagogues. Well, who's they? Well, they would be those that have the power to put you out of the synagogues, the religious rulers, the religionists. And you can know right now that that kind of thing will happen. It is happening even today. <coughs> there are uh, religionists that put people out in various ways. You know, it's pretty rare to get kicked out of an organizational church, but it's not rare at all for someone who is empowered by the Most High God uh, to be set aside, uh, to not be put in places of leadership, uh, to not be used, to be told all sorts of things, to be told to calm down when they worship, to be told, well, we really don't need to teach this or do this in this way. Oh, we don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And that is very, very common, okay? But Jesus says this. They're going to put you out of the synagogue. He says, as a matter of fact, verse 2, indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Okay, that You're going to be killed, and they're going to be thinking that they're offering service to God. I was reading an article this morning. I hadn't even finished it yet. I was just reading the first part of it because it sort of arrested my attention when I saw the title of it. 
and uh, it was a, a, a historical account of uh, Anabaptist, and actually described how sex within the Anabaptist broke apart. You know, so you have all these groups that have come back, uh, come up through the last two thousand years, and uh, there's a lot of good things to be said about the Anabaptist. But they, like everybody else, did some things that were just absolutely think this is sort of crazy, and some things that happened. And there were people that came along and out of some of those groups that killed one another. Okay, they killed one another because they thought that they were offering an offering to God because someone was not living the way they thought they should. Okay, and Jesus told us about that. Verse three, he continues, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. They're going to kick you out of the synagogues. They're going to tell you to quit doing the things which the Lord has told us to do. Now, I've been told not to read the Word of God during the worship service. And it wasn't just a one-off kind of thing. That's happened more than once. And you would think, well, that's sort of crazy. Well, you would think so. But Jesus tells us why. They will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor me. You know, they may be there with you, but they haven't known the Father, nor me. The ones that will kill you don't know me, don't know the Father. The ones that kick you out of the synagogue don't know me, don't know the Father. Verse 4, but I have said these things to you. Well, there's the phrase again, so it appears at least four times. But I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. So he's letting them know, I'm telling you some stuff right now, particularly about what's going to happen. I didn't tell you this from the beginning because I've been with you. And, and you see that there's an, an idea that Jesus has provided protection for them, okay? That, that they have lacked for nothing, but he's about to leave. He's been telling them repeatedly this evening, been re telling them repeatedly for several weeks and months now what was going to happen to them. So he's saying, I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. Verse 5, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? He's been saying this since the, the 13th or 14th chapter, okay? since the meal they had together, <coughs> that something was going to be happening. He was going to be leaving. But he says, I'm going now, but no one is actually asked, where are you going? They sort of ask among themselves. Okay, and they knew something was up, but no one had actually said anything to him like that, you know, in that way. Oh, yeah, they'd said, uh, show us the Father and we'll believe. Remember that little line? Then verse 6, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. See, Jesus knew what was going on. He knew how they were acting, how they were reacting. He knew what was going to happen in the immediate future, and in the balance of the chapter, which we'll get into in subsequent episodes, we see that he tells them, okay, you're going to have sorrow right now, but you're going to have joy, and it's going to be a joy that nobody can take from you. It's going to be a tough time right now, but know this on the other side, and it's going to be very, very soon that there's going to be some exciting things. He tells them, you're not going to see me. I'm going to be gone, but then you are going to see me. And they actually will ask, well, how's that going to happen, you know? But he wants them to know that he understands that sorrow has filled their heart. Okay, See, the Lord knows that. He understands the sorrow that's in our heart. He knows the things we're struggling with. You know, sometimes we feel like that we're hiding something from him. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> that's not even possible, right? But he lets them know something. 
Verse 6, because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7, <clears throat> let me read just the first part, then we'll pick it up next time. Nevertheless, <laughs> that's sort of like a therefore, isn't it? Nevertheless, even though sorrow has filled your heart, even though I must go, nevertheless, i tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, I'm just going to stop right there in the middle of the sentence because, and a lot of you will know what that advantage is and why it is. But, you know, they didn't. He had already said some things to them. He'd already told them about some stuff. But now he's pulling it all together. And he's saying, as a matter of fact, one thing that I've already told you about is not going to happen until I depart. So it's really to your advantage that I go. I know sorrow is filling your heart, but trust me, great joy is coming very, very soon, which no one will ever be able to take away from you. Isn't that exciting? We live in the same way. We have literally that great joy dwelling within us. There's no reason that even in the most intense, challenging of times, that we do not have the joy in the very presence of the Lord in us because we're true believers. Now, if you're not a true believer, you're not going to have it. Okay, We'll talk about that more next time. Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you then.